0: Now, if you've been in church for a while, you've probably heard this passage, right? This is a, a go-to passage for why we do church, how we do church. It's uh, known as the Great Commission. It's pretty, pretty famous. I'm not going to expect that. This is the first time you've ever heard this passage preached on. Uh, but just in case, let me, let me reset the context here. Uh, so this is coming at the end of Matthew's gospel. Uh, Jesus, throughout the gospel, has been doing many miracles. He, he causes the blind to see. He causes the lame to walk. He causes the sick to be well. And every time he heals somebody, uh, do you recall what he tells them? He says, don't go tell anyone. Don't tell. Don't tell he'll do miracle after miracle and he says but don't tell and and, and that's kind of odd because we've heard our whole life well we should go tell people about jesus and here jesus is healing people and he says but don't tell them don't tell others and now the greatest miracle has occurred in all of history, and, and certainly in the gospel, and that is the resurrection of Christ himself. He, he dies on the cross for our sin three days later. He is risen by the power of God, and now he stands resurrected, about to ascend into heaven, and he tells to his, his disciples, now go and tell. Everything is now flipped upside down. The, the, the floodgates are open. Uh, the missional work of the Holy Spirit is now working through his church as we go and we tell the gospel. And so that's where we pick up uh, this passage, if you will. Uh, I don't know what y'all normally do, but if you don't mind, we stand uh, as we read God's word together. Matthew 28, starting at verse 16, we read through the end of the chapter. This is the word of God. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when he saw him, when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Will you pray with me? Lord God, would you pray that by your Holy Spirit, you will work through the hardness of our hearts through our many distractions, you will help us to see the beauty and the glory of the resurrected Jesus and the mission that He has given His church. I pray, Lord, that uh, you would help us to better understand our place and what you are doing in this community and through this in this world. And we pray this in Christ's name, Amen. Let be seated. <clears throat> Sometimes it's easy to look around and we start getting discouraged about the state of the world. We 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 get discouraged because we see so many things going wrong. We see Uh, so many scandals we see people uh, uh, denying the faith we see uh, the rise of uh, secularism and unbelief and and we wonder what is God doing in the world is he still at work and I want to encourage you Christ Church that that the Holy Spirit is still working that the that the kingdom of God is expanding that while it may not always be in the headlines that there is a mighty work of God that is going on in our world today. We, in the past, uh, I'd say 20, 25 years, we've been in a great uh, renewed period of church planting. And we see this nationally, we see this around the world where the Holy Spirit is moving and churches are being uh, started, right? So just uh, let, me, let me explain my, my jargon here for a second. When we talk about church planting, we're simply talking about starting new churches, all right? And we're seeing that happening all around the world, uh, I've been out to India. I know several from this church have gone out to India with, uh, with Yaraj Dasan and seen what God's doing out there. Uh, they're amongst the poorest of the poor in the world. Uh, they, they've planted over 50 churches in the last 10 years, and thank you, uh, Christ Church, for being a part of that. Uh, we, we see this uh, here nationally. Uh, my, my church that we started in Kalira... Uh, partnered with a uh, Burmese refugee pastor out in Clarkston, Georgia, just east of Atlanta. And this th- this is a pastor who was f- uh, fleeing the communists in Burma. And uh, in this little community of Clarkston, uh, he has planted eight churches. And we see this type of thing all around. Uh, the Alabama Church Planting Network, we particularly— um, emphasize planting PCA churches, that is our own denomination, uh, and in the two presbyteries that I serve, we've planted 21 churches in the last 17 years. This is one of those uh, churches, and uh, I'm, I'm so thankful for you guys. Um, we have six plants going on right now in North Alabama, mostly in the Huntsville area. Uh, one of those six is a um, Hispanic church. They, they speak Spanish, reaching the Hispanic community in Albertville. And so I want to encourage you that no matter how bad things may look, the kingdom of God is advancing. Churches are starting all over the world, all over the country. And what we see in this passage is the reason why we need to be planting or starting more churches. And so again, our goal here this morning is to see how this church, how Christ Church Trustful, fits in to Christ's great commandment so that you will be more committed to this church and that you will be refreshed in your service here. But also, I want you to be thinking about how you as a church can be committed to supporting church planting, that you as a church would consider planting more churches, that you as individual Christians would consider would God call you I didn't ask permission to say this, but here I am, that God might call you to be a part of a new church, and I know and trust your leadership enough to know that they support me saying that, and if not, maybe I won't be walking back for the second service, we'll see. (laughs) So as we look at this, there's three questions I want to ask. Number one, where do we plant churches? Number two, why do we plant churches? And number three, how do we plant churches? All right, so where, why, and how? First question: Where do we plant churches? And the answer is simple: It's everywhere, for everyone. We plant churches everywhere for everyone. Look at verse 19. He says, this "Is the word of Christ? Go therefore and make disciples." Now, let's look at that word "go." All right, that's often uh, thought of in a missionary uh, emphasis. The idea is. Leave where you are and go somewhere else with the gospel, right? So the Davises many years ago they left Alabama, they went to London, right? Uh, or, no, it wasn't it was somewhere in England, right? It's all the same. Just kidding. Uh, but it's it's go where you're from and go somewhere else, right? And, and and going certainly implies a specific call for some people, those people that we call missionaries, to go somewhere else. But I want you to see that there's a more general sense for all of us. The idea is not so much leave where you are and go somewhere else. It is as you are going, right? That is, as you are living your life, as you go in every aspect of your life, we are the church who is called to pursue the mission of making disciples of Jesus Christ no matter where we are, no matter where we're going. Now, what that means for you personally is that wherever you go, in your work, in your home, with your family, as you shop, as you interact online, as you gather together for worship, as you gather together in your small groups, as you eat, as you sleep, even as you take out the trash, whatever you are doing in every aspect of your life, if you belong to Christ, you have this mission. These words are for you. Go and make disciples. Nobody is excluded from this who belongs to Jesus. This is our mission. So, don't think of the, this commandment as just a commandment for missionaries who go to a foreign land. This isn't just a, a commandment for pastors who do pastor things. This is for you, all of you. Everybody who's about to take the Lord's Supper, as you take it, realize that this is for you to go and make disciples. Live your life as a missionary. Now, what does that mean for church planting? It means that as we think about where to plant new churches, where to start new churches, it means we go and we seek everyone in our community, all of those around us, whosoever will come to be disciples of Christ. Now notice in verse 19, he says, go and make disciples of all nations. Now on a global scale, all nations means every ethnicity, It's Christ's commandment to make disciples of all those people that we see pictured around the throne of Jesus in Revelation 5. In Revelation 5, the apostle John is given this vision of Christ. He's high, seated on his throne. All the redeemed of the world are around him, and it says that Christ has redeemed people from every tribe, language, people, and nation. That is, every type of person imaginable Jesus has saved. He didn't come for just one ethnicity or one nationality or one language. He came for all types of people, and so... That means that we want to support church planting in foreign nations to every tribe, to every tongue, and to every people group. But we can actually uh, distill that down to a local level as well, even here, right? We don't have just one type of person. We have lots of different types of people here in our community. There's black, there's white, there's Hispanic, there's Asian, there's other ethnicities, there's working class, there's middle class, there's affluent, there's laborers, there's management, there's the well-educated and the under-educated. There's men and there's women, there's young and there's old, there's families and there's singles, there's widows and divorced. There's those with a religious background, there's those from a secular background, there's those who are running away from their religious background. We have Democrats, we have Republicans, Libertarians, you have homeschoolers, you have public schoolers, you have vaxxers and non vaxers you have vegans and you have Normal people, (laughs) all types of people, all nations, they're right around us. What Jesus is telling us is to make disciples of every type of people in our communities. And so, who do we plant churches for? The answer is everyone. We need to be seeking to go after the all-nations of our entire area. That is, every type of people, everyone within our reach, everyone where we live and work and hang out, everyone that we come across, everyone uh, is the type of person we desire to see become disciples of Jesus. And so we plant churches that will reach every type of person in our community. Now what that means is that we should not be content having churches that are only reaching one type of people. Now, here's the truth. Every church I know says we want our church to reflect our community. Now, the communities are diverse. Different ethnicities, different cultures, different socioeconomic uh, uh, categories. Very diverse. And every, com- every church says we want our church to reflect our community. But you know what isn't common? It's not common that a single church reflects its community. Now, we can strive for that. We, should, we, we can hope for that. We can pray for that. And certainly we should. And every now and then, the Lord blesses that. And you have a church that, that it truly reflects the diversity of their community. But the truth is that that is rare. And there's a lot of reasons for that. And we don't need to get into all the weeds. But we cannot be content having churches that are only reaching one type of people. We don't plant churches For one type of person in our denomination the pca we 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 certainly have a a niche we have a a standard type of people that pca churches typically reach and thank god that this is changing but traditionally the pca typically reaches white middle class to upper class well-educated families and praise god we need jesus too But we can't be content planting churches just for white, middle-class to affluent, upper-educated people. The church of Jesus Christ is much bigger than just one demographic. We need to plant churches that will reach all types of people, not just the rich and not just the poor, not just the middle class and not just the working class, not just the, the majority culture or the minority. We need churches that will reach all types of people because the church is bigger than one demographic the rich and the poor, the black and the white, the Hispanic, the educated, the undereducated, the young and the old, the families and the singles, we all need Jesus. Now, one way that financially affluent churches have tried to solve the problem of not being able to reach uh, parts of their community is that they will have mercy ministries that will serve others in their community. And that's great. We need to have mercy ministry. We should be doing mercy ministry. If the Lord has has provided uh, financially for a church, for a people, they should be sharing in that and and reaching out in mercy uh, to the poor. Absolutely. But I want you to consider that if a church is only reaching one type of people, that the other people in your community, they need more than mercy ministry. They need a church. They need a church where they can grow in Christ and they can engage in worship and do ministry themselves. And so, yes, we need to keep doing mercy ministry. But consider that the greatest mercy is actually to support church plants that will reach people for Jesus that we are not reaching. And so our desire is to see gospel-proclaiming, disciple-making churches that are reaching all types of people in every part of our town, every part of our metro area, every part of our state, of our nation, and of our world. We want to reach everyone because Christ is worthy of the worship of this entire community. He's worthy of the worship of this entire city. He's worthy of the worship of all of Trustful and all of the Birmingham Metro and all of Alabama and all of the United States and in all of the world. Christ is worthy of the worship of all types of people. And so we want to plant churches that will effectively reach all types of people. We are called to make disciples of all nations, and that means that at a local level, we are going after everyone. And that means that if we're not reaching people in our community, that we we pray that God will raise up churches that will. In the end, Beloved, what we want is more churches, not less. We are praying as a denomination that the Lord will increase uh, our denomination, the PCA, by a thousand churches over the next 10 years. That means we need to stop churches from closing down and we need to plant more churches so that we are reaching more people for Jesus. So, where do we plant churches? It's everywhere for everyone. Now, the second question I want to ask of this text is, why do we plant churches? Why do we do it, All right? Churches spend a lot of time, when I had planted a church in Clear, we spend a lot of time trying to, to craft our mission statement, right? And, and mission statements are good. I don't want to get down on mission statements. But at the end of the day, the mission of the church is pretty simple. Christ gives it to us here. The, the, the reason that any church exists is what Christ has, has told us here is to go and make disciples, right? That is our mission, is to make disciples. That's why we plant churches, is to make disciples. Now, what is a disciple? A disciple is somebody who follows Jesus Christ as the Lord. That's the mission. That's the goal. That's what we're aiming at, right? So when we plant churches, we're not just spreading our brand. We're not just growing our market share. We don't start churches simply to have a different style of preaching or music or to have a niche ministry in a different part of town. We don't just plant churches to make it easier for Christians to to go to church. We plant churches in order to make more and better disciples of Jesus Christ. That's the goal. The mission of this church and the mission of every church everywhere is to make disciples. Now, Jesus explains three ways that the church makes disciples, three ways that this mission of disciple-making is carried out. So again, turn your attention to verse 19. He says, Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And so the first way of making disciples is through baptism. Now, Baptism signifies a lot of things. There's a lot of theology around baptism. I don't want to get lost in the weeds. But at its core, baptism is a sign of belonging, a sign of union. It means I belong to Jesus and his church. Okay. It means I, I no longer am associated with the world. I'm now associated with Jesus. That's what baptism means at its core. And so if you are baptized, you are identified with Jesus. Or to put it more simply, we plant churches in order to see people converted, in order for them to be identified with Jesus through baptism, to be converted from darkness to light, from unbelief to belief. Now, the statistics are very consistent in this, and it's been consistent for a long time, and that is that new churches are typically more effective at reaching the lost than more older established churches. Within our own statistics of the Alabama Church Planning Network, what we've seen is that churches 10 years and younger are reaching or are are growing uh, five times by conversion than the number of, than the churches 10 years or older. In other words, our our younger churches are seeing five times the amount of conversions as older established churches. There's a a thought within church planting and, and even a fear that, well, is church planting really growing the kingdom? Or, you know, isn't it just people moving from one church to another. And, and certainly that does happen at times. But again, within our own 17-year uh, history, what we've seen with our church plants is that, apart from the core group, that is people that, that start the church with the church planter, outside of that, that our church plants are growing two conversions for every one transfer. All right, They're growing two to one through conversion. And that's remarkable, and praise God for that. What we're seeing is that new churches typically are more effective at reaching the lost than older established churches. And that's one reason why for the sake of the mission and for the sake of growing the kingdom of God that we want to keep pushing the gas on church planting. Uh, Heard a great story. Uh, We had a church plant in Gardendale. The church planter was Wayne Shelton. Uh, He started uh, a few years after you guys did. And uh, right around the end of 2019, a man comes into the church. Never never seen him before. And uh, afterwards the man comes up and he says, I don't know why I'm here. He tells the pastor, I don't, I'm not a Christian, I'm not a believer, I don't know why I'm here. I, I just felt like I needed to come and I, I don't know what that means. And after a couple of weeks of hearing the gospel, he he comes up to the Pastor Wayne, he says, I can't explain this, but I, I want to be a a Christian. I'm going to bring my family. And so he starts bringing his family. He he professes faith in Christ. Um, and then after a couple more weeks, as they're singing worship, he starts feeling this, noticing that his vision is blurred. He goes to the doctor. He finds out he has a brain tumor. And as he's sitting there waiting for an operation, Wayne comes to him and he says, do you, you know, how's your faith doing? And his faith was very new. He says, God brought me to himself so that I'd be prepared for this moment. Uh, his faith was strong. He, he continued to believe. Um, he said, it's time that I get baptized. And this is the beginning of 2020. You know what's going on in the world. Everything's shut down. The doctors are telling him, you're about to have brain surgery. You do not need to be around people. Do not go to church. You certainly don't need somebody pouring water on your head. But he said, I have to be baptized. I'm I'm, I'm identified with Jesus now. And he was baptized. He's converted. Uh, So far, the Lord has healed him. Uh, I was preaching in Gardendale a few months ago. I saw him there. Uh, He and his family, they've all converted to Jesus. He's continued in the faith. This is why we plant churches is for guys like Daniel, who would have never heard the gospel if that church hadn't been planted there. And the Lord brought him to that place in that time because he had before the foundations of the world chosen to have mercy on Daniel and chosen that his spirit would move by the work by the preaching of the word in Gardendale through that church plant. We plant churches so that people will be converted through the preaching of the word. That's the second way that Jesus is talking about making disciples, so we, we, we look at verse 20 now, and he says, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and then teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. The church of Christ has been given the unique task and divine privilege of teaching what Christ has commanded. This means that another reason that we plant churches is because we want more places where Scripture is taught. Okay? The church is not a social club. It is not a political action committee. We are not planting churches just for the fun of it. We are planting churches that will teach and preach and live out the word of God. And why is that important? It's because the church and the church alone has the words of eternal life handed down to them from God. God has ordained that his message will go out and that his kingdom grows through the church. It is the primary means by which God grows his kingdom. It's the local church. And if we don't do it, if we as the church are not faithful to proclaim God's truth, then no one else will. The church of Jesus is God's means for the preservation and proclamation of the gospel. The church is the means through which God brings his hope into the world. And that eternal hope does not come through government or through education or through money or through economic stimulus, right? All those things have their place. God uses them. They are good when used properly, but they are not the ultimate vehicle of redemption. The church is the vehicle God uses to bring the redemptive effects of Christ's death and resurrection into this curse-filled world. And the way that he does it is by the teaching and the preaching and the living out of Scripture. And so we need more churches, not less, that are preaching and teaching the Word of God. And so these churches are established to make disciples, to preach. And then he says at the end of verse 20, to observe all that I have commanded. And so the focus of teaching is life transformation, which is marked by following the commands of Christ. That's the mark of every true disciple and true disciple making. It's following after Christ in every way of our life, every aspect of our life. And so we want to plant more churches because we want more people coming to Christ who are learning about who he is, what he has done, and then they see true, full life transformation as they follow him more fully. So where do we plant churches? It's everywhere for everyone. Why do we plant churches? It's to see more people converted who are taught the word of God in order to see their life changed as they follow Jesus. And the last question I want to consider is how do we plant churches? Christ shows us here two ways that we plant churches. Spoiler alert, it's not through money. It's not through ingenuity. It's not by being really cool and having lots of people like you. We plant churches in two ways. It's through Christ's power and through his presence. Right? In, in this text, Christ is actually bookending this call to make disciples with these two promises. And so first in verse 18, we plant churches through Christ's power. He says in verse 18, Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And so here, Christ, in his resurrected glory, he's about to ascend to the Father, where he will sit on the throne and make his enemies his footstool. He tells his disciples, all authority has been given to me. Now, notice the words. He doesn't just say some authority. He doesn't just say most authority has been given to me. He doesn't say, hey, the authority uh, you know, for religious things has been given to me. No, he says all authority. And it's not just It will be given to me. It's not just that authority is coming my way. It's that that authority has been, past tense, already given to me. Now, here's the question, Christian. Jesus says, all authority has been given to me. The question is, do we actually believe that? Do we believe that we serve a God who sits on the throne as Lord of creation, the conquering king who is subduing the nations? I think most of the powerlessness with churches and with Christians is that while we may pay lip service to the authority of Jesus, we don't actually believe it. And so we live in fear. We live in defeat. But Christ says that all authority is his. And so that ought to give us a confidence, a a sort of a a holy swagger. We ought to have a, a hope and a confidence that comes from faith that our Lord sits enthroned and is actively extending his kingdom throughout the world and that nothing can stop him. That as he says in Matthew 16, that the gates of hell will not prevail against him, that he is building his kingdom. We can have a confidence and we can confidently go out of missions and evangelism and plant churches in all parts of the city and of the state and of the world. We can go make disciples of all nations. Why? Because the nations already belong to Jesus. All the peoples of the world belong to him. Psalm 2, the father says to the son, ask of me and I will make the nations your inheritance. All the peoples of the world belong to Christ. And that means nothing can withstand or hold back the advances of Jesus in this world. They belong to him. Look in verse 19, he says, go therefore, All right, the, the therefore is in reference to the authority that he speaks about in verse 18. All right, He's saying, because I have all authority, I'm sending you out as my church into this world to go make disciples. Because Christ has all authority in heaven and on earth, we want to see churches started everywhere on earth, everywhere under heaven. As Abraham Kuyper uh, um, famously says, Every square inch of this world belongs to Christ. And therefore, every square inch of this world is a viable church planting field. There is no type of person, no part of this city, no place that is too near or too far, or no place that is beyond the reach and the authority of Christ. And so we go in his power. We go to start gospel proclaiming, disciple making churches everywhere. We plant churches in places everywhere. Everywhere. Now, there's a certain irony, I suppose, of being the church planting guy in Alabama, right? We're, we're right in the heart of the Bible belt. I get asked all the time, why do we need more churches? There's a church on every corner. Well, here's why. First of all, there's not a church on every corner. That's a lie. Second of all, the churches that are on the corners, a lot of them are closing down. But more importantly, why do we plant churches here in the heart of the Bible belt where there's a church on every corner? It's because there ought to be 10 churches on every corner. Jesus is worthy of the worship of all the people Trustful. Jesus is worthy of all million people in the Birmingham metro area. Last statistics I saw in our area, our geography, 10% of our population belong to a Bible-believing church. In the Bible belt, 10% of people belong to a Bible-believing church. That means 90% of the people, at least, are not worshiping Jesus as their Lord and their Savior. They don't know him as their Savior. Do we own the lostness of Trustful, of Birmingham? I'll tell you this, I live in Alabaster. Normally it normally takes me an hour to get from Alabaster to here. It took me 40 minutes this morning. You know why? There's no traffic. You know why there's no traffic on a Sunday morning? It's because people are at home. You know why they're at home? It's because they're not here worshiping Jesus. I would long to see Sunday morning be a traffic jam. We want churches that are reaching people for Jesus because Jesus is worthy of the worship of all the people, much more than 10%. So, what does that mean for us personally? It means when it comes to evangelism, you don't need to be timid. You don't need to be afraid. You don't need to feel shy or feel self-defeated. I struggle with those things. Maybe you do too, but we don't need to. Maybe you're not a great evangelist. Maybe you're shy. Maybe you're awkward. That's okay because what Jesus is saying here when he says, all authority has been given to me, what he's saying is that disciple-making isn't dependent upon your power. It's dependent upon the power of Christ. We go and we evangelize in the power of Jesus. Parents, right, I want to encourage you, your number one area is, in, in disciple-making is your home. And, and, and that may feel overwhelming. You may feel powerless. You may feel like you have all the odds of the world stacked against you. But here is your confidence. Matthew eighteen, uh, excuse me, 28, verse 18, is that the eternal, unstoppable, uncontainable power and authority of the resurrected Jesus is on your side, even as you are seeking to disciple your children at home. Yesterday. My 16-year-old daughter says, can I read you the Bible study I wrote for my my friends? She was leading a Bible study with her friends. I said, of course you can, dear. And she read this this little Bible study that she put together about how you should trust uh, the word of God over your feelings. 16-year-old girl captured by the beauty and the truth of God. If you asked me three years ago, I was terrified. I was terrified of where she was headed. The world had such a grip on her heart. She wanted nothing to do with Jesus. But Jesus, through his power, miraculously changed her in a way I've never seen before. And and I've got this, this, this front row seat. And parents, I want to encourage you. Pray for, be faithful in discipling your children. And trust that it's the power of God. Who is at work in the hearts of our children and for those of you whose, whose children may be wayward this is our hope as well trusting in the power of god alone to convert and convict the soul but i want you to see this as well christ's power is not just for personal evangelism or for parenting and disciple making it is also the power for church planting the power at work In this church, in every church, in all missional endeavors. And so when we plant a church, we aren't ultimately relying upon the personal persuasiveness of the planter or upon the power of demographic studies or of economic viability, right? None of that matters. I hear so often, well, we can't plant a church there because it's not economically viable. When has economics ever stopped the power of God? When has being poor meant that we can't plant a church there? Christ has consistently throughout the history of the world continually grown his church in the impoverished areas, in the places that don't make sense. The church does not rise or fall based upon the skill and influence or affluence of his church members. The power of the church is Christ who works with authority through his word. We have the eternal word of God, the sword of the spirit, a double-edged sword. And the scripture is powerful. It is the means through which God works works in our lives and the means through which he converts the soul, and therefore the power of the church is not the persuasiveness of the preacher or the giftedness of the church group. It's the power of Christ who is preached. Christ working through his word is the power of this church and every church that will exist. And we pray and we go in that power of Christ. And lastly, and, and this will be brief, how do we plant churches? We plant them through Christ's presence at the end of verse 20 he says i am with you always to the end of the age Christ here is saying that he has tied himself in unity to the church he is present with us his kingdom is present in this world through the church and that's his promise here at Christ church trustful that he is with us and that he will always be with us that he will always identify with us that he loves us right and there will be problems and there will be difficulties that will arise in any church but Christ never abandons us preachers will come and go you guys know but Christ never leaves he is with his church always no matter how difficult no matter how hard no matter how unpopular the church may be in the culture Christ is with this church in Christ loves his church. Christ loves this church. He loves the church down the road. He loves the big church and the small church. We plant churches because Christ loves the church, and Christ is present with us primarily through the church. That's our power. That's our hope for this church and for church planting, that we are not just doing our own thing, but we are joining in Christ with what he is doing in the world. Jesus says that he's going to build his church, And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And so church planting is joining in with Christ. What he is doing by his power and in his presence. By bringing his kingdom into the world. And so Christ Church, I ask you. How can you continue being a part of what Christ is doing through establishing more churches. So that more people come to faith in Jesus. Will you pray with me? Lord God, we do ask that you would continue to bless this church, help them to see each person, how they could be more fully involved in this mission that you have given to go and make disciples of all nations. Lord, be with us as we seek to be faithful. In Christ's name we pray, amen.